Hello, my name is Lexi Davis. I'm a self-discovery coach, a yoga and meditation instructor, a love enthusiast, and a really playful human being. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions, all in mini cuddly episodes, hoping that you connect to your truth in the most authentic version of yourself. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Heart Snuggles. Today we have a special guest and I'm so excited to talk to you guys about money today. So if you'd love to introduce yourself. Yeah, um, so I'm Kendall, um, I guess known on Instagram as Babe on a Budget Blog. Um, and I have an Instagram account that's dedicated um, mostly to like financial literacy. It is geared towards women, but I guess other people find it helpful as well but um yeah I'm it's all about money investing feeling good and confident with money and uh yeah I'm super excited to be here and how did you get started with your business yeah so um believe it or not I have a law degree I do not practice I decided it was something that was just not for me um and one thing that I don't think that's talked about like a lot is how expensive it is to go to law school. Um, So there's kind of, I think this myth that lawyers make tons and tons of money, which can be true, but it's not always true. Um, But law school on average usually costs people like well over $100,000. I personally, I think had around $220,000 when I graduated from law school. Um, I was very fortunate and did not have undergraduate debt, but like $222,000 is quite a lot um so for a long time I actually just kind of like more or less ignored it I you know paid the minimum I needed to pay um but a couple years in I actually stumbled on a YouTube video from like a pretty popular YouTuber named Asia Dang and she was talking about how she had $200,000 worth of student loan debt and it kind of like I don't know shook something in me where I was like, oh my gosh, like I have that much. And like, if I don't do something about it, like I'm going to have that much forever. So um, I kind of panicked. I started like reading a lot about money, um, getting like really into it. And I wanted to like connect with other people. So I anonymously made an account, um, which is my current Instagram. It picked up a lot of traction pretty quickly. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to own it. Like, this is my story. This is my face. This is who I am. And like, whether I'm talking openly about having this debt or not, like I, I have it. So um, that's kind of where it all started. And uh, yeah. That's so wild. I cannot believe how much debt that is. It's, it blows my mind. Like, our, especially in America, the system is so messed up here. Yeah, it's, it's also just crazy because like education is just like seen as a way to get ahead, but it's like hard to imagine getting ahead when you have such a huge financial burden. So yeah, um, that's part of the reason too why I was like inspired to start talking about it and being more open about it so that like hopefully other people that were maybe considering like a law degree would, you know, hopefully not be discouraged from not going, but at least like that should be a consideration. Yeah, like more well known because when you're going into it, it's just like, yeah, it's not really talked about as much. So I think that's so good to bring the awareness. Not at all. And when I was like in going to law school, like 
nobody ever talked about it. Like the administrators never talked about it. I never talked about it with any of my friends. Like it was not talked about. And it was like, we were silently all just like amassing a huge amount of debt. So so what is your go-to way to repay debt? Um, for me, um, because my student loan debt was like kind of high interest, typically like grad loans are, are higher interest than uh, maybe undergraduate loans. Um, so for me, my biggest focus has been like focusing on the loans that cost me the most money. So um, at one point I had a loan that I think was like almost 8%. Um, it was costing me like maybe... $10 a day in interest. So I really kind of hyper focused on like the loan that was costing me the most. It's called the avalanche method. Um, it's definitely something I recommend to people, um, especially if you have high interest rate debt. So for example, a lot of people may have a mix between like credit card debt, personal loans and student loan debt. Typically like credit card debt will cost people the most money. So I definitely recommend that people focus on like the debt that is costing them the most first. Um, there is another method called the snowball method, which is more about paying like things off quickly. So you'll pay off maybe that $100 balance and then that $300 balance and then that $500 balance. That's for people who like maybe like need a little more motivation, but um, I personally like to, to see the math and, and focus on like what actually co is costing me more. Yeah. I, yeah, I've heard that high interest debt is definitely the one you need to pay off first. And it's crazy the interest on some of the loans. I'm like, it's so sad. Like once again, the system, it's like people that need the money the most and then are charged the most for it. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> totally. And like, that's what credit card companies do. Right. So maybe you have bad credit. Um, so when you do get a credit card, you have a way higher interest rate, um, but maybe you're not able to pay it off and it just kind of like snowballs from there. So um, if you are finding yourself like with a lot of debt, I do recommend like just hyper-focusing on like the one that is costing you the most money. Mm -hmm. And how did you deal with the overwhelm of like the, when you finally realize like, oh fuck, I owe this much money. Like what, how do you deal with those emotions? Yeah, um, that's actually something I haven't like talked a ton about, not in a serious way anyways, um, on um, the blog, but it is something I would like to talk about a little bit more. Um, I will say like when I first like came to grips with it, like I was not okay. And I don't say that like in a light way, like I was unwell. I think I went through like a month where I just felt like, so doomed I was like hyper fixated on like oh my gosh like even if I pay two three four five thousand dollars a month like I'm going to be paying this for so long um, and it was really hard to wrap my head around like just how much it was and how bad it was um, and I know this sounds like kind of like cliche but like the best thing you can do in that situation is start to take action, right? Like action builds confidence. Action also, I find a lot of times, like helps alleviate some of that fear. Um, so I just kind of like looked at what I owed. I looked at like reasonably what I could cut out of my budget, where I could increase my income, et cetera. And then I kind of just took it one step at a time. So um, again, talking about the avalanche method, I just really focused on paying off this one specific loan. I think it was, a, 
I think the loan was $38,000. It was 8% interest. And for eight or nine months, I just focused on paying that off. And it was like, even if I got $20, maybe I like sold something on Facebook marketplace, like, and I made 10 bucks. Like I just went in and I paid all the time. And like nine months later, I paid it off and I was like, oh, okay. Like this is going to be okay. Like I'm going to pay this off. So um, it definitely is overwhelming. I do think a lot of people like in my situation or have that, like it's really taxing on your mental health. Um, and, and I think that's also part of the reason why I wanted to like be more open um, with that because I think there's a lot of people suffering silently who are in debt and not talking about it. And for me, talking about it and being open also really helped because there's a lot of people in my situation and it wasn't until I was like more open with it that I realized like unfortunately this is more common than we probably assume because it's so taboo to talk about I it makes me so upset the shame around money it's like why are we why is there's this shame here when we're told to go down this path to get debt pretty much and then we're told not to talk about it and to suffer in silence and then we create more things it's like no we need to talk about debt and we need to talk about money in general and like be empowered and help each other like figure it out because we're that's nothing we're, we're just taught to go to school we're not taught about money which makes no sense like in school we should learn about money it's like one of the most important things in life totally I I could go off on like a whole tangent about that. Sometimes I'm like, is this on purpose? Sometimes it's hard to to imagine that it's not. I feel the same, 100%. Um, so I also think it would be awesome to talk about investing because it's a scary topic to a lot of people. And I only recently in the past like year learned about investing. And yeah. so if people are scared of investing, what's some tips for that? Yeah. Um, that's probably whenever I like talk about investing or I talk about starting investing or I talk about what I'm investing in that's kind of like one of my number one like questions I get it in my dms all the time like I'm scared of investing um and like how do I get over that and like unfortunately like the blunt truth is like how I try to think about it anyways is like what's scarier like investing your money or like never being able to retire or losing money to like inflation and like the reality is is like you cannot get wealthy by saving your money like it it just will not happen like the value of your money is going down all the time and it'll go down even more like year after year after year so like you're literally if you're afraid of losing money you will lose money if you only save money, um, which seems counterintuitive. Um, but the other thing I try to tell people is like people have this idea that like you're losing money because maybe like the value of your portfolio goes down. But I always try to tell people like you do not lose anything until you sell. So if you have five shares and one day they're valued at $100 and the next day they're valued at $80, you still have five shares. And the value of those five shares, maybe the next day can go up to $120, right? So I try to tell people that like your portfolio may kind of like fluctuate and lose value over time or, you know, day to day, et cetera, but you don't lose anything until you sell. And also I try to tell people like the best thing you can do is zoom out, right? When you look at your investments, like, you know, 
from Tuesday to Friday, you may see a lot of fluctuations, but if you really zoom out, the trend is always moving up. Um, and that's always been like the trend of the stock market. The stock market time and time and time again has always bounced back and it's always gone up. So I always tell people to like zoom out. Don't look at like your returns um, from over like days or weeks or months, like zoom out and look at what the trend of the stock market has been over the last 20 years. Um, and sometimes that's still not enough, but um, for me, that's like what really helped. Yeah, same. And I, I was shown this article that was, I think from Fidelity, it was like the two top um, portfolios or people on there were one, a guy who forgot he had it because he never touched yeah. it. And the second was a guy that was dead because he never touched it. And so it's like, if you just keep putting in money each month, like have it automated and then just don't worry about it, it will go up. Totally. It's kind of like one of those things I tell people, like just trust the process. And if like you're, you know, afraid, I think that's totally normal. You don't have to like be a super aggressive investor. I know like in the space I'm in, there's a lot of people who are pursuing fire or like financially financial independence, retire early, who maybe are investing, you know, three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars a month. You don't have to be that aggressive, right? Like you can just invest maybe $500 or $200 or $100 and just stay the course. And like, you will see returns from that. Um, and if you are afraid, like start small, maybe you only invest $50, maybe you only invest $100. But um, I do think like the scarier that is working forever. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's so cool like to to just start it. Like even though you're scared, like lean into it because a lot of people invest and there's so much resources right now, free resources online. It's like, there's kind of no excuses to not just like give it a go. Totally. And like when you see it, like the richest people in the world, which unfortunately a lot of them are men, um, it's not because they work so hard right like it's because they have investments like Warren Buffett didn't go out and like labor for all of the money he had right like he put his money to work his money works for him he doesn't work for that money mm -hmm. and can you talk a little bit about compound interest and why investing like you get more money to invest rather than putting it in your savings account yeah so the nice thing about like compound interest is it it's like a snowball effect, right? So the more you have invested, the more that interest compounds. So um, one of the things people talk about a lot in investing is like getting to your first 100K is often the hardest because a lot of that money you have to earn, right? Maybe you have to put 80 or $90,000 in to get to 100K. But as you move forward and your portfolio grows, you'll get to each of those milestones quicker and quicker. There's a lot of accounts that kind of like show this that'll say like, it took me five years to get my, to my first 100K, then maybe it took nine months to get to 200K. And then it only took four months to get to 300K. Um, in your savings account, like you don't get that, right? Like you have a very low interest rate, even if you have a high yield savings account, which I do still recommend people have for their emergency fund or short-term savings, you're just never gonna see those returns. And in a typical savings account, like maybe that you would get at Chase or Bank of America, the interest rate is so low that over time, you're actually, your money is gonna lose value. So I don't actually recommend a lot of people like 
keeping large amounts of money outside of like what they would need for like an immediate emergency or like I said, a short-term savings goal, like your wedding or a down payment or car um, in those accounts. Yeah, agreed. And for the people who don't know, can you talk about the difference between like a large bank and a high yield savings? Yeah, so high yield savings accounts, I feel like are like a super hot topic in like the personal finance community um, for a couple reasons. One, um, they typically offer um, some things that large banks don't. So a lot of times they have like low minimum balance requirements, which is great because it sucks to have a savings account where you need to keep a certain amount, especially like if you have an emergency and you need to like liquidate that account. Um, they often have like pretty low or no fees, which is great. I think, honestly, I think I had a checking account or a savings account with Bank of America that was like $15 a month. It's not a ton, but like it's $15 for you to hold my money. Um, but a lot of these banks too, these high yield savings accounts or these online banks don't have like brick and mortar. So you may not be able to go and like deposit money in cash, but because they have like those low overheads, they're able to offer higher interest rates. So I think right now, for example, Bank of America is like 0.01%. And the bank account that I have, that's a high yield savings account. I know people love to like laugh at the rate. It's like 0.5%, but it actually does make a difference. I personally, right now, I think I've made about I say this as a caveat because I am holding my essentially student loan balance in my bank account right now so that I can pay them off. But um, I think I've made like $300 just in interest on my high yield savings account. Um, and like for me, the way I see the high yield savings account is like I am open to making any extra money that I do not have to do extra labor for, right? Even if it's only $5, I'm open to making that. So um, the other nice thing I think about high yield savings accounts as opposed to like um, brick and mortar accounts. Um, oh, I think I already said this, but um, that they oftentimes like don't have fees, um, which I, is really great. Um, but yeah, people also afraid of high yield savings accounts. I think one of the things that a lot of people like worry about is like, what if I have an emergency and I like can't go to the bank and take out cash? But I get that. But also like last time I checked, banks have terrible hours. Like there's plenty of times I would love to get money, but like I can't go to my brick and mortar bank to like take out money. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, mine, mine's so easy. It's like connected directly to my other bank account. And I just deposit money and I can take that money and put it back in mine like so quickly if I really needed the cash. So, and like you said, even though you've only made $300, that's $300 that you didn't have to work for. So it's like, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, it's so crazy. It's so interesting to me. Like money, I think really is just like some of the choices I make or you may make or other people may make with money aren't always logical because money has become one of these things that's very like emotional for people so it's so interesting because I know people that use cashback apps or they cut coupons um or they do these things that like yeah you'll get a little bit of money and they think that's worth it but like opening a bank account and then like letting your money sit is not I, I just always think that's like really interesting and I do try to like check that with people when they're like oh you know I don't want to do this because you know 
it's not worth it. And it's like, well, is cutting coupons really worth it? Like you're probably getting the same amount back, but one of them takes a lot more effort. Definitely. And how do you think we help like this problem that we have about like not being able to talk about money and money being so emotional and how to like keep breaking free from that so that people can release some of that shame? Yeah. I mean, for me, one of like the biggest things um, has been just like talking about it and even if you just start talking about it in like a small group that you feel comfortable with maybe you're talking to your partner about it or you're talking to your girlfriends about it you're talking to your coworkers about it you don't have to be me and on the internet telling (laughs) thousands of people about like your student loan debt like I realized like that's kind of like the extreme end but I do challenge people to like start talking about money, even if it's just with, uh, you know, your girlfriends or um, maybe a coworker or something like that. Because like the reality, like I said, is like whether we're talking about it or not, that's still a lot of people's situation. Um, I do hope that like with my account and with other accounts like mine, people are starting to talk about money more. Um, I also think it's like important to like realize that like money and debt like hold no moral value. And for some reason, I don't know when this became a thing, but I think a lot of people have like seen making a lot of money or not being in debt as like being morally good. And in fact, it doesn't really mean anything. You can still be a good person even if you're in debt, like you're still a good person, even if you don't make a lot of money, right? And I think that's like a conversation I would like to have more often. Um, Because I think people do, I think people feel a lot of shame, because they think that like, somehow they are bad, because they're bad with money, or because they've made money mistakes. And that's like, simply not true. At the end of the day, money is made up like money is something that we completely made up it's not real and when you like die you can't take money with you like and I and I do try to like remember that sometimes even though like a lot of my life is like hyper focused on money because I talk about it sometimes I have to take a step back and be like this is all fake and when I die like none of this is coming with me but if I'm like a shitty person people will remember that yes so (laughs) simple and just so true and it feels so much better to say that because yeah, like I have debt too. And I feel so much shame, like about where I'm at with my money and things like this. And it's like, it doesn't defy me in any way. And, um, and I just see so many people suffering from that. And so I think that that message needs to be loud and clear to the world. (laughs) Totally. It's easy to forget though, especially like in the society where we live in, where we're so obsessed with like money and like having a high paying job. Um, good to check yourself. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, but I did just see your last post and I'd love for you to talk about having how to have a rich girl summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think like obviously like hot girl summer is like a thing. Everyone is talking about hot girl summer, which is like great. Um, I somebody else in like the debt-free community posted it. Uh, something about this recently and I loved it she's like we already decided we're hot let's like talk about our goals and like that's kind of where I'm at right like I 
love the idea, especially now that like we're getting back into more normal times, like having a great summer, but still also being able to like feel at peace, like with where you're at. So um, spending some time to make sure that like you can have fun this summer, but like also make good financial choices. So um, a couple things I had like recommended on that post was one, if you don't have a high yield savings account, definitely do check that out. One caveat I will say there is oftentimes you may be able to get a better rate at a credit union. Some people aren't eligible to be in a credit union. Some have like really strict requirements or you may not be able to meet them or they may not be available in your area. But either way, look into ditching your normal bank this summer. Get that interest while you're out drinking White Claws or on a boat or like living your best life. Um, think about upping your retirement contributions. Um, one of like the easiest ways to like invest is through your 401k if you do have one available to you um, at work. And what I love about um, upping your contributions is it's so easy. It'll come out of your paycheck automatically and you won't hopefully even notice it. So even if it's just like 1%, you're gonna be investing more but you probably won't notice it. And then you'll get used to having like that one extra percent taken out and you don't need to do any additional work. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I recommended, a lot of us are gonna be hopefully spending some time on the beach or on a boat or at a pool. Um, maybe think about swapping out like that novel you were gonna read for a personal finance book. Um, or a podcast, I know podcasts are like super popular. I love podcasts, they're so easy and like a great way to learn. I know when I was like really getting into the personal finance space, I listened to a shit ton of podcasts and there's so many good ones out there. Um, and then also- Wait, can I about, pause for a moment? Can you recommend yeah. uh, two books and two podcasts you like? Um, let me see, there's kind of a lot. Um, so podcasts, um, Tori from her first 100k just put out a podcast I think it's actually this is amazing because you just put it out I think it's the number one business podcast right now it's so good I love Tori she has great advice um and I just like love all the personality that she like brings to the podcast it's great I would definitely recommend it I believe it's called the financial feminist um another podcast I like um oh my gosh there's so many I like planet money um that's another great one um popcorn finance is another great one um oh Chloe from deeper than money also has a podcast that I like as well so um more than two <laughs> um I will teach you to be rich I really like um and then hmm, I'm trying to think of like another one I really like okay this isn't like a book per se but it's kind of like a book slash journal so um mixed up money on Instagram has like a hundred day like financial goal journal which I think could fit in really nicely with like rich girl summer right it's like a fun journal and it has like tons of props prompts um you can do like bowling it's a calendar it's, it's very cool and that might be like a good thing to get yourself for rich girl summer those are amazing thank you yeah and then sorry you were talking about your list so you just oh yeah um <laughs> another thing like I think is 
great is like I think one thing that's like really challenging now now that we're all like out we're seeing people everyone's on TikTok there's so many trends um to try I think a lot of people now are like wanting to spend money on clothing or like kind of like trendy summer items so definitely where you can try to shop secondhand it's better for the environment it's also like way better for you especially for like things that may be trendy and may go out of style like in the next month or or so or like after summer see if you can go on you know depop poshmark etc save some money um on things that maybe you're not going to wear forever um and also it's a better it's, it's better for the planet anyways and then the other thing i definitely recommend is like putting money in your budget to have fun um i think that's like something I think is so important. I do not believe in like overly restricting your life just so that you can invest or you can pay off debt. Like, I do not believe in that at all. It's to me the same as like crash dieting. It doesn't work. It's not good for you and it's not sustainable. So like put money in your budget to maybe buy a new bathing suit or to go on a boat or take a trip with your friends, whatever you want to do. I think that's really important. And like, just think about like, what's the amount that I can spend and feel comfortable with and still meet my financial goals at the same time, but not feel guilty. Yes. So true. Fun is like, come on, we got to have fun in life. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So good. I'm glad to see there's so many young women though that are in this space who are like really pushing against that like I think like the Dave Ramseys of the world who are like no fun you have to do these things be super restrictive no restaurants no spending I just like do not think that works I love all the women like trying to uplift the patriarchy and just like the system it's so great yeah yeah okay well this was so lovely um I would love for you to tell the audience how they can find you yeah so you can find me at babe on a budget blog on Instagram um like I said I spend a ton of time there every week talking about all things money um definitely a safe space for women um they, them, LGBTQ, that's something that I really invite um, in my community. If you're a man, you can come too, but it's not really for men. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And I forgot to ask you this at the beginning, but my question of the podcast is, what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you? Um, that's such a good question. And I feel... I feel like I had something recently and I'm just like totally forgetting it. This was not like a random act of kindness, but like, I guess it was still, no, maybe it was. I actually went to get coffee this morning. I went on a, I went for like a swim this morning. I live in Austin and we have this like great, like very cold pool called Barton Springs. Yeah. So it's free in the morning. So I went and then I went and got coffee with my boyfriend after and I went and the girl was like, oh my God, I love your swimsuit. And she was just like so genuine and so nice about it. It like made me feel so good um, just to like get a compliment from a stranger, even if it was just about my swimsuit. And it kind of just like reminded me because like we haven't been in touch with strangers in a long time. I'm like, wow, like it feels really good for someone like to notice you and to like just put themselves out there to like give you a compliment. I think that goes a long way. Yes, that's a beautiful random act of kindness and definitely counts. <laughs> yeah. So sweet. yeah, it's like just taking that extra time because 
it's weird that we're like almost afraid to give each other compliments like to strangers and but I think that should definitely be more normalized as well yeah for sure I think uh especially like having been like essentially locked up for so long it feels like weird to be around strangers again and can feel like a little I don't know it makes you feel like very vulnerable but I was like wow this like feels normal and good and it reminded me like I should probably do this for somebody else sometime soon yes yes okay well thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and being vulnerable and we'll hopefully have more people find you on Instagram (laughs) yeah thank you so much bye